The following conversation contains strong language and subjects of a mature nature. Hello and welcome to Me The Stars, the podcast where each week I look Anthony delve deeper into the career, life and mental health of the stars. This week on Meet The Stars and the final episode of this series is singer-songwriter Katie Kittermaster. She's open for Jules Holland, Ollie Murs and Ronan Keaton and has also toured with Lucy Spragan and Boys Life. Of course, the pandemic has hit everyone, but she's adapted so well. She's been so active on social media, putting out some amazing content and also released the amazing single, The Problem, which we do speak about in this episode. So please welcome to the show, the amazing, the wonderful, Katie Kittermaster. Okay, all right. Katie, welcome to Meet the Stars podcast. I'm really, really happy to have you. I'm very happy to be here. Right, so so let, let's just let's just cut to the chase. You started music in Dubai when you opened at the uh, Global Gift Gala. And you're hosted by Ricky Martin and Ava Longoria. Is that correct? Yeah? Yeah, I suppose, yeah. I think I've kind of always done music. I mean, years before that anyway. I think I had my first solo performance like in the nativity play when I was three not that I remember it but I've seen videos and my parents have backed it up so I think it's it's always been what I've loved and I sort of wanted to be in the west end wanted to be Annie or Gretel from the sound of music and then eventually came to the conclusion that I couldn't really act and I couldn't really dance so I was left with the music and I guess I just sort of did it as a hobby and I'd always said from such a young age like I want to be a pop star or whatever but I guess it was always just a hobby really until I was about 15 maybe I had my first well if you can call it a relationship then maybe that maybe and the breakup of that relationship and I wrote this song which was pretty bad but it was a start was what was the song called it was a song called mine and I think you can actually go and find it there are actually videos of it on youtube which i need to try and get taken down because it's it's, it's quite embarrassing i'm not gonna lie but at the time obviously thought it was great and this sort of coincided with me starting to play the guitar which i think was a major factor in my sort of beginnings of writing songs and i think it was a case of once i'd done one it was a lot easier like once the first one was out the way it was a lot easier to keep writing and then I haven't really stopped, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned there that, that that old video of the song Mine was something that um, is embarrassing to you now, but you just you just said to me that your parents have got a copy of your early nativity play years back. So I think that's the least of your worries, to be honest. I suppose, but when you're three, it's cute. When you're 15 <laughs> and think that you've been through like, worldly understood heartbreak when really he was like a 15 year old boy who do you know what I mean it's just like what are you doing well it's weird it's weird because you because you you started doing you did um dancing and acting and you said it wasn't for you I did all of that and thought right music let's give that a go and then I thought oh I need to learn more than three chords to be any good so I gave that up and became Mm -hmm. a comedian and a radio presenter uh-huh. So now I just Well you can do a lot with three chords. I think it was do you know Scouting for Girls? Yep. So I was doing a session with Roy from Scouting for Girls the other day and he said that like some interesting quote about how 
pop stars can play three chords but play it to thousands of people whereas jazz music- musicians know thousands of chords but play them to three people so a lot can be said for three chords yeah for sure for sure, for sure. That's absolutely true. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you for making me feel less less worse no, about it. Even, yeah, yeah. Music career for you is coming. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, but I used to love, like, carrying my guitar around because that looked cool. Yeah. I love it to be fair. If I go into London with a guitar on my back, everyone sort of looks at you like, hmm, I wonder where you're going. Are you famous? Who are you? You know, it's, it's, I'd say that it's slightly worse when someone recognises you for doing comedy and then they ask you to tell a joke. Oh, the worst. And then they, I can imagine. Yeah, and then they get into it and they're like, they're like, oh, I bet, I bet what I've just spoken about is going to be in your next set. And I'm like, nope, but this conversation is. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, it's kind of the same, like, in random, like, social, small. It's kind of the, like, more small social events where people be like, give us a song or whatever. And I'm like, that that is my worst fear. Singing in front of tens of thousands of people is like a dream but if i was at a dinner party of like my parents friends i would be like freaking out because no that's just not for me that's really so annoying so so just um i don't want to go into the like the first part of the lockdown as such like in depth or about what you did during that time we will cover it a bit i guess but but just before the lockdown did kick off you you were on tour with with um boys life weren't you and i wasn't you you did a gig almost almost about what was it about three weeks just three weeks before the lockdown so everything was looking up and you're looking like you're going elsewhere and then suddenly your whole your whole world comes crashing in yeah I think I guess at the start we'd been touring for so long because that's all kind of back was like back to back with the tour I was doing with Lucy Spragan so I've been touring pretty much full-time since September 2019 and I'm not gonna lie I was quite excited for a break I was like (laughs) Oh my God, a roast dinner, fresh laundry, a cuddle with the dog. Like, I can't wait for a few days off. I didn't really think like we'd still be having this conversation in November. So I guess, I don't know. It was, yeah, but it was a massive shame. We, I think we lost like 10 dates of the tour out of 40 though. So we still did like a heavy majority. So how did that, how did that hit you financially? Because obviously, pres- presumably the touring's like a bread and butter. I guess maybe it's slightly different as a support act. I mean, I'm, I don't know whether I'm meant to really discuss finances. I never, it's such a like taboo thing talking about it, but I'm still living at home rent free. So that's pretty chill. And I sold some merch on tour, which was good. So, you know, we're, we're, we're floating, we're floating about. We'll leave it there. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it there on the, on the finance side of things. One of the things that obviously has happened with with your music and your your output on Instagram is incredible, by the way, and it always gets such such brilliant responses as well from people. Thanks, thanks. I don't know. Social media is it's quite a tricky one. I think I'd love to for it to keep growing, but it's something you actually do like have to focus on and think a lo- like a lot more about than people think. Like every day, I'm like, right, what am I going to post today? And then I'm like. People are like, you need to be so like open and personal, personable, and like talk about really personal things. And I'm like, but I don't want random strangers knowing about certain things. And I don't know. So it's, it's a weird place, but it's cool because you can interact with your fans even in these time, in like in these unprecedented times. So it's pretty, pretty good in that sense. 
in those moments where you you decided, you know, you took a breath, you thought, okay, we've been on tour, the lockdown's happened, we're going to take a quick breath. Did you feel a big amount of pressure to keep producing stuff online? Yeah, I guess that's kind of what I set myself this like COVID cover challenge so that I was putting up a cover of a song every day following the letters of the alphabet, which I think was a really good idea for me. I think there were definitely days where I was like, I can't be bothered to get up out of my pyjamas and have a shower to record a video. But I think it was really good for that reason exactly. It It made me like get up and be more productive, making sure I was still using my voice every day and showering and getting dressed. So that was good. And also it meant I had stuff to post. So I think that was really good. But there was definitely a pressure in terms of writing. I mean, it was pretty, pretty self-inflicted pressure. But I think because there was so much time to write, I, I don't know, I didn't really write that much. I didn't do nothing. I think there's people that definitely were like, nope, didn't write a thing. And there's some people that were so productive. But there wasn't a whole lot to write about, so it's hard to be inspired when you're not leaving the house. Yeah, that's true. And it's, it's when when you've got loads of time, is it, you you actually struggle to fit it up. It's it time goes quite quickly, and you think, ah, oh, just do it later. I'll do it in a bit. I'll do it in a moment. It's fine. It's not a problem. I'll do it in a bit. Ah, oh, it's ten o'clock at night. I need to go to bed. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Story of my life. Story of your story of your life. So. So on tour, how do you keep yourself busy then? Because I, I, you know, I've travelled around and done the comedy stuff and that, and it can be very, very lonely, especially on the road. It is. I'm not going to lie. Like I am lucky that I was travelling with my manager and my guitarist, and we all get on really well. So that made things a lot easier. But touring is such like a, it's just such a different life. Like you're on you're on stage, and you know there's there's all the, the lights and attention on you, and you come off stage and. You go to the merch stand and everyone's like, oh, can I have a photo? Can I have a photo? Can I have an autograph? You know, you're sort of on top of the world. You've got all this adrenaline from the gig. And then you go back to your premiere in with your greasy takeaway and you think, wow, I'm lonely as heck. And it's just like a serious like roller coaster of emotions. And I guess most of the day is traveling to the next venue. So I watched so much Netflix. I used like 50 gig of data in like two weeks (laughs) which is actually obscene when you think about it so yeah I watched a lot of telly and I kind of wish I'd be more productive like by doing like little workouts and stuff in my room or like learning I don't know a new hobby or something but I really just did nothing just uh, just for balance there, I'm just going to have to say that the um, the Premier Inn breakfasts are incredible. They are, but they, 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 they wear off when you've had about 90 in a row. <laughs> but yeah, I, I actually do kind of miss them. I'm not going to lie. They were they were banging. They were banging. What a word. I haven't used that word for ages. <laughs> now, obviously, you, you, you do a lot of writing. And and in the past, when, when you were learning music and things like that, you, you struggled with reading music, didn't you? Because, because dyslexia is something that... Um, made it made it more difficult for you tell us about that yeah I guess I kind of just I feel like I'm quite inherently lazy from my dad but that mixed in with some dyslexia I mean it's not like dyslexia that's really like you know been a major burden on my educational like life but I just didn't read music and I feel like it actually hasn't really hindered me that much at all so yeah it's not 
it's, it's pretty chill. I mean, I still did like classical grades up to grade five and I was still able to get into music school. So I guess you don't need to read music these days. That is my word of advice. Definitely not. But I'm sure there's a lot of people that I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people that do have dyslexia who who find it incredibly relatable and, and inspiring to see you doing doing so well with it. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I wouldn't want to be like, oh, pity me, I have dyslexia because I don't. I, it's never something that I've like really noticed. Like, I still did A levels and did did all right. So, I'm sure there are people that that you know it does really affect them. So, you know, one of the things, obviously, with being in the public eye and and doing things on online and, and having that that urge and, and that perpetual need to keep producing things for your fans and, and then obviously mixed with you know when you are and if and when you get back on tour you get those selfies and people coming up to you and and idolizing you how do you overcome the pressure of keeping up an image that you you could you put out your image online and you've got a couple of your sort of things that you do in every one of your videos that that is kind of like your brand, I guess. How do you keep that up? How do you keep that positivity up? I'm not going to lie. I feel like it's best to be real with these things. Like, I think there is so much, like, fake happiness on social media. Like, I literally had a breakdown last night about my music, thinking, oh, my God, what if I'm just not good enough? Like, you know, what if my songs are never played on the raid like on the charts or what if they're never put in the big Spotify playlist literally crying to my mum and my boyfriend last night and if you just followed me on social media you would think that you wouldn't you do you, do you know what I mean you wouldn't know that so I think I'd love to be a bit more real and open about stuff like that but at the same time I like to spread the positivity and not be negative when there's you know there's way worse things going on in the world so I think to try and keep positive, which I am, like, 90% of the time. You've just got to, like, believe in yourself. And if you have a team around you that believe in you, then you've just got to keep doing your thing and hope the right people notice. How do you overcome those moments of doubt? I don't know. I feel like I'm still figuring that out. I guess just, like, surround yourself in good people, I think. And I it's probably not healthy advice but I just distract myself from feelings of doubt or feelings of you know anything negative do songs ever get born out of such situations definitely I think most of my I mean my Instagram bio is I don't write happy songs and that's not to say I'm not a happy person but there definitely is like a very sad side to me and I think that part of me majorly comes out in my writing for example, like my most recent single, The Problem, is probably the most personal song I've got out. And that was sort of born out of a conversation I had with my mum about, I was sort of reflecting on my life and especially my time at school, thinking about people I'd been friends with that I wasn't friends with anymore or relationships that had fallen apart or, you know, just situations that hadn't gone the way you wanted to or you know, those people that just don't like you. And I think parents are very good at like softening the blow and making you think like, oh, it's not your fault. Like they're just jealous or, you know, they're, they're too immature. They don't, they don't get you like all this, you know, there's so many excuses that people come up with. And I just thought that's very nice, mum, but 
I'm the common denominator in all of those situations. So what if I am the problem? Like, what if it's me? Like, what if, do you know what I mean? And I think that idea sort of spiraled into quite a dark place, which is where the problem was born out of. And I think, yeah, it is a really raw and honest song about sort of trust issues and self-sabotage and anxiety and stuff like that. But I think... I'm really happy that I put it out because the response I've had from people has been like, I didn't know that other people could feel like this and they can feel like they have, you know, something to relate to and someone to talk to. And that it's not just them going through these weird thoughts of, you know, self-doubt. I don't want to be a burden on you. Don't want you to have to go through Anything like you did that day So I won't tell you what it feels like on the inside I'll tell you that I'm feeling just fine So that you don't run away I've been trying to tell myself that I'm better I've been trying to tell myself I'm alright I've been trying to tell myself that I'm stronger than I was before But I know that I'm lying But maybe it's just me all along Maybe it's just who I am, the doctor's got it wrong no healing It's an incredible song and it, it raises an interesting topic because because like we, we all feel guilty about things we've we may have done or said in the past. I remember I I still beat myself up about a time that I hit a friend mm. an old friend when I was twelve because mm. he ate my Mars bar. And it was you know and I feel guilty I beat myself up but he's mm. obviously completely forgotten about that in, and I'm still it still bothers me and it's like sometimes mm. you just got to give yourself a break and it's so true with like relationships or bridges that you think have been burnt and things like that and 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 you think well if it happens three or four or five times in my life, then the thing that keeps mm. going wrong is me. I'm always the reason this breaks up and you start blaming yourself on that. But but you have an outlet and you have that outlet to write about it. And if perhaps it's not as easy to talk openly to other people about it, then putting that into a song is it's a really positive way of, of doing it. Because weirdly, that song that song does sound positive in a way. Like the, the sound of it yeah. is quite positive even though the words are quite negative. And I quite like mm-hmm. that, that contrast. I think that, that. that really sums me up. Like to most people, they'd be like, oh my God, she's so like happy and sweet. And then, you know, if you could see on the inside, you're like, oh, hell, this girl, she got some <laughs> shit going on. <laughs> and yeah, I feel like that just kind of then appeals to more people because some people don't like sad music. I don't understand. Why not? But do you know what I mean? Some people like happy music and... I'm not one of those people, but then, yeah, it kind of works for both. So, yeah. Well, there's no point. My piano teacher, best person, one of the best people I've ever met, she used to tell me that when you're feeling down, go and play go and play a sad song to, 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 to match your mood. Because if you go and play a happy song, it's just going to make you more annoyed because you're going to be like, oh, yeah. this song is just like, it's just like taking the mickey out of me. What's going on? Mm. It's like why am I listening to this upbeat song? You know, it, and and it's it's so true. Like being able to wallow in your own 
your own sadness is actually a really important thing. And I always remember this. She said once to me, um, tears cleanse the windows of your soul. And it's such a beautiful quote she said. And I always say it because it's so true that you do, like it's scientifically proven, you feel better after you cry. And, and I think letting out that emotion and, and being a man and coming from, you know, a background where, where I had to be manly man and I had to, you know, conform to the stereotype of men and things like that. It's, I, I find myself crying at all sorts of things. I saw a dog earlier. Um, I saw a dog the earlier on Instagram hu- hugging a person and I was like in streams. That's the most beautiful moment I've ever seen in my life. Aww. But it's those things, yeah. Yeah, I think the whole like wallowing in your sadness thing is good to an extent. I think I definitely do that way too often. Like I'll sometimes just listen to sad music even when I'm not sad and then I end up feeling sad and I'm like, well, that was really unproductive because now I'm in a bad mood. But I just don't like happy songs. I said it. It's out there. I'm not a fan. I'm sure you've said it before on other interviews. So if this is an exclusive, then you heard it here first on Meet the Stars podcast. But I'm pretty sure you've said it before. And it's, it is it is in your description on Instagram. So it's out there, out there for people to see. One of the other things I was really, really sort of moved by when I saw you at Boys Life, and I can assure you that when I saw you at Boys Life, I was there as press. Um and my, my my girlfriend wanted to see them, uh, which is absolutely fine. It was a great gig, and, and I thought it was I thought it was very good. But one of the things I loved about your set and the way that you you present yourself on stage is that a lot of pop artists really push for having you know, like a big band behind them and a big a big entourage behind them, and all of the the sort of ensemble and everything like like that, and the big drums and the big music and the big staging. But your vulnerability on stage it just really absorbs people in and and it's one of the first times that I've seen I've seen like such an act on on such a big event as a warm-up act where everyone was so engaged with what you were doing and I thought it was brilliant thanks I guess yeah I mean it's just me and my guitarist on stage and I think like you said that has a positive impact in that situation because the room is therefore quite quiet people can't really chat because it would be too noticeable so they have to listen and then hopefully they like it so it kind of works out it works out like that but I'd also love to get a bigger band at some point and have a bit more fun on stage rather than just singing these miserable songs I'd like to have a little boogie on stage but you know that's just a uh, lack of income so when I have more money I'll have more people (laughs) I thought I thought money was a taboo subject Katie you're breaking all the rules today yeah 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 i guess i am but you know i'm trying to be real and trying to be honest with the peeps so <laughs> god again all these words that i haven't said since i was 15 it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's old school old school stuff it is it's proper authentic and real you're left-handed as well yeah apparently all the best people are my researcher has written in brackets the best people are next to she's left-handed <laughs> Yeah, so one of the other things, like when you buy a guitar, like you get like a proper, you know, a standard, a standard guitar that's for right-handed people. Do you, did you just flip it around the other way, or did you have to be the awkward person in a music shop and say, "Look, I'm left-handed. I need a guitar that goes the other side." No, I just conformed and learned to play right-handed. I'm not gonna lie; I thought it'd just be a lot easier for life. If anyone wanted to teach me easy chords on the internet, easier. It just it was a whole world of stress if I decided to play a left-handed guitar because everything's different. So, yeah, I just play right-handed. That's how talented I am. I'm left-handed, but I play right-handed guitar. You know how it is. Which hand do you use on a mouse? Mm, left. 
left? Yeah, I think I can use both, actually. Maybe I'm ambidextrous. Mm. Mm. Maybe. That's, that's interesting. The reason I ask is because my partner, she, she use, she's left-handed and she uses her right hand for the mouse. And that's purely because she uses her left hand to write with. And so she decided to use the right hand with the mouse. And I thought, well, you're just gifted. Why, why has no, no one ever thought of that? You know, freeing up one hand so you can write as you've got your mouse in one of the hands. That's it's amazing. Yeah, fair dues. But me, I have to move my mouse out the way and then get a pen. And, oh, it's just, it's just a pain. Katie's a pain. I need to write a song about it. <laughs> yeah. I've never really felt like that's been an issue so far, but it probably will be tomorrow. And then I'll be like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> what has Luke done from the me that starts? What's he done? He's just ruined my life. <laughs> so um, so you've obviously performed internationally. What, what, Where would you love to go back to when you can? Mm, internationally, I've actually only, well, I guess I used to live in Dubai, so I've performed there. And then when I was on tour with Lucy Spragan, we went to... Germany and we went to Holland but I would really like to play a gig in America in like New York LA I kind of would love to do a world tour so I'm not going to be too fussy I would say anywhere 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 the music takes you mm-hmm. yeah I guess with this sort of like acoustic setup that I have with just me and Ben at the moment it'd be kind of cool to go to Nashville Nashville do some old country stuff. Country stuff. I think that would be kind of cool. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I was quite impressed that one of your influences is uh, are the Kooks, one of my favourite bands, because there's a real sort of feeling of speech that comes across in your your music. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed that. Like, it feels like, it almost feels like a conversation. You can really hear every word you're saying and, and really get the meaning of it as well. Yeah, definitely. I think I don't really like... Mm, those kind of metaphorical things where you're like what is this actually about I think what connects with people and what I normally just write whatever comes out of my brain and so I feel like that kind of yeah that's just what it is it's just a conversation with me and myself or whoever the song is about have you written one about your current boyfriend I have yes a few some nice some not (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned you mentioned um, you obviously spoke about the problem and the conversation you had with your mum. Does she ever worry about you when you're writing songs and 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 about your mental health and about how you're coping? Mm, yeah, I think it's sometimes really awkward. Like if there's a song that's kind of on my social media, but I haven't released it called "It's Not Just You," which was about me sort of like contemplating killing myself. And a lot of other, like, really deep, dark shit. Oh, sorry, I don't know if I meant swear on here. That's all right. And, yeah, that was really awkward to play to her. Because it was very, like, a thought, like, me just writing down my thoughts. And it talks about me being, like, I'd never want to, like, hurt or upset my parents or my brother and all this sort of stuff. And it's so, like, real that it's like, "Uh don't worry, mum, it's just a song, you know. (laughs) But yeah, I think it's also kind of my way of talking like, like therapy, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's an, at least it's an outlet. And I guess, yeah, you know, it's, it's better than doing something a lot more serious than, than writing a song. The other thing I was going to ask is when you start writing, do you have the pressure to write it fully formed into a song and verse it correctly and put the chorus in and all those things? Or... As you say, do you just write words and then go back and 
you know format it and make it into a, like a, I guess a, a standard song I think probably more like your first suggestion just because the second suggestion just feels a bit more what's the word um well you're just gonna have to go back and do it so you might as well do it at the time can't think of the right word for that now productive it's more productive if you just do it all in one go so yeah i would say i try and just do it as a fully formed song from the from the get-go really and what sort of techniques do you have to remember the song because that that was one thing i used to forget if you know with with nerves and all those sorts of things you go through when you get onto stage like it can blank your mind instantly it can i've been lucky i haven't really had that happen too much i guess because when they're words you've written and you've sung them a lot because if you've gone to a recording studio you've sung the words a lot you've rehearsed them a lot you've performed them a lot it's quite hard to forget them and I feel like it's a thing of okay if you forget the first word you'd be like oh no I have no idea how this song goes but once you've got the first word you know the whole song kind of thing I don't know some really hasn't really been an issue hasn't really been an issue well that's good that's no. that, that's something that's at least something there <laughs> So what what other struggles have you had with mental health other than that? I know, you, I know you, you, a lot of it inspires your music, but and you've spoken about um, breakups and and being the common denominator in in life. But what about on a daily basis when when all this other drama is not going on? Ups and downs varies, I guess. I think a lot of my sort of like things that have you know uh, resulted in dark times have been sort of situational which I guess is lucky because if it's situational, there's like a problem and therefore an answer sort of thing. So it's a lot easier to like for things to get better quite quickly. But I think from like a very young age of like 12 or 13, I've always just been quite like sad, really. I don't know. I already speak about this kind of stuff. So this is kind of an exclusive for you guys. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've been pretty good recently. Just, I think it really also depends on who, if you have good people in your life, like that can seriously, like, affect how you feel in your mind. You know, there are a lot of toxic people, I feel like, or they used to be in my life. And once you realize as you get older that you can just cut people out, you're like, cool, that was fun. Now I'm happy. Well, school can be a very, very difficult time for people. And it's the one one time in our lives that we feel that we need to be our best selves and and be this be this be a particular way and be popular and things like that. And when you take on something like music, that that no no one ever believes that you're ever going to make it. No one ever believes that you're ever going to be successful or ever do anything with it. And and there's so much pressure pressure on teenagers to to be popular and 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 be a certain way. But really, you just got to be yourself. Yeah, and I think it's also one of those things you never really realise until you've come out of it yourself. Like, as much as someone can tell you that advice, like, just be yourself and, you know, ignore all these stupid popular people and, like, trends and trying to be cool. Like, as much as someone can tell you that that doesn't matter, in your head at the time, it is all that matters and it's really hard to get away from that, especially in this day and age with stuff like, snapchat and instagram where you can constantly see what people are up to and who's got the coolest clothes and who's got new stuff and who's all hanging out together and who didn't get invited and i feel like that's where it can become quite like a dark like dangerous place but i think like 
so I left school like a year and a half ago now and it's just so much nicer like you just don't feel I I feel like I used to feel nervous like every day and then you leave school and you're like oh there's no pressure for me to do anything apart from do what I want to do so sweet have you found people that weren't particularly nice to you at school or, or during those difficult times have they popped up again now that you are successful I don't know I don't know I think people have a lot of pride I mean maybe when I'm like actually successful then they will but that hasn't quite happened yet I'm sure I'm sure there'll be people that if I'm doing like you know if I was supporting Lewis Capaldi or something they'd be like oh my god like you're doing so well like I'd love to come see you at the gig like can we meet you backstage and you know and try and abuse that situation now and I'll just be like no (laughs) we were not friends leave me alone but yeah, we haven't quite come to that stage yet. You'll get there. I mean, I mean I'm not trying to encourage or impose such a an, an awkward thing on you, but that that is a good sign of success, I guess. Yeah. But you are you are smashing it. Your stuff's amazing. You've got plenty of followers on Instagram, and 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 the people that do love you, they really love your music, and they really love what you do. I mean, even the person that was helping me with the details for this, you know, Jess. Big shout out to Jess. Thank you so much for your help. I mean, she. She, she she's now a massive fan of yours just by just by looking into some of your history and what you do so you know your music your music really is like touching people and and helping people so that's that's a huge positive and whether you accept that or not it's true thank you very much you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> so you, you mentioned before that that anxiety is something that you struggle with on a regular basis what sort of techniques do you employ to overcome those moments of anxiety? Anxiety is such a tricky one because I think it's such a word that is like thrown around so much and I don't ever want to like say that I suffer with anxiety because I know there's some people that literally it is like debilitating and like affects their everyday life. And I think, like I said, since leaving school and being able to do my own thing a lot more, I've felt a lot more calm and a lot less nervous, but there's definitely times where you just feel par. I, I think mine's more of like a social anxiety paranoia thing of you always think people are talking about you in a negative way and stuff like that. But I think, yeah, just spending less time on social media and obsessing about what other people look like and about what other people are wearing and who people are friends with is the best thing just to kind of like, like we've said, just do your own thing. It's, it's one of those things, isn't it? That, in the field that we're in, within the entertainment industry, you, I mean, if I didn't need it, I would, I would be off social media within a shot because I wouldn't, you know, I just wouldn't use it. Yeah, I think I would be too. But because you, you absolutely need it to promote stuff and to, to be out there and doing stuff and be active, especially with what happened with, you know, with COVID-19, everything, everything suddenly went online and, and we all had to adapt and change the way we collaborate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think I'd be the same. I mean, I have like a personal Facebook, personal Instagram, all that kind of stuff, but I don't think I've posted on it in a long, long time. I literally just, like you said, have to have it for my job. So, yeah. Now, these days in your music, you have your sound. What is your sound? When when we first start doing something like like music or anything else, we always look at other people. We always look at the other artists and, and want to be like them because that's what's out there. That's the sound that's out there and that's the sound that everybody's um, you know, shouting about. At what point 
did you realize that you had your own sound and that you were your own musician? It's an interesting question. I don't know. I don't think you ever re- there's no like sort of moment where you realize that you just do your own thing and I don't know, I get compared to like like a female Ed Sheeran quite a lot, which is like a serious compliment because he is a god of songwriting. I don't know, there was no like one specific artist that I wanted to be like when I was younger, but I mean, I love an artist called Holly Humberstone, Maisie Peters, Olivia Dean. I think when I was growing up, I listened to like a lot of the early Taylor Swift stuff and some of Miley Cyrus's early stuff. Like I said, Ed Sheeran. And I think they've all massively influenced me, but I don't know when I realized I had my own thing. I kind of, you, you kind of just do, you just do it and you become a combination of what you love, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, an amalgamation of everything we listen to. Well, I know almost certainly that Ed isn't listening to this, but if you are, mate, collab. Yes. Yes, please. I'm here for it. <laughs> she's ready. She's ready for it. She's she's ready and right. She's got a pen ready right now, Eddie. <laughs> Eddie Sherian. So I I really don't want to talk about what's next and stuff, but because it's such a such a pack question. Well, you got a big you got a big gig coming up in 2021, and that's the Camp Carfest. How are you feeling about that? It's a long way away. I tend not to think about things until they're like tomorrow. But I played Carfest in you know the the last normal summer that we had, and it was really good fun. It's a really cool like family day out kind of festival, and the crowd that were watching me were kind of like young parents, and they're really like young kids, which was really sweet and. Yeah, it was just a good day out, so it should be good fun. What's the thing you miss most about being on stage? The sort of audience interaction and probably actually the coming off stage and speaking to people after and seeing how my songs have like touched them, I think, in a way, because a lot of people will be like, oh my God, that that's exactly how I felt or how I'm feeling, you know? When you get a really emotional response, then that's cool that like my words have done that to someone. Has it given you an element of uh, like a feeling of responsibility when somebody confides in you afterwards. Yes, definitely. But I quite like that big sister role. I think that suits me well. I really, I think if I wasn't going into music, I'd probably go into like counseling or therapy. So yeah, I, I really respect the fact also that people feel like they can come and speak to me about stuff. How do you, how do you handle such situations when somebody presumably says something that could be quite alarming? I haven't really faced that kind of situation, but I think you just, I can only speak from like my personal advice and personal situations that I've been through. So I would just try and like relate to them as much as I can. And then I don't really know. It's kind of one of those like in the moment kind of things. Sure. Sure. So one of the big topics is uh, this, um, you know, plaguing the the internet at the moment and and going viral at the moment is equality and everything else like that. What's your experience of being a female in the music industry? I think really, to be honest, it's been it's been okay so far. I think I'm so like not far into my career to have experienced anything horrific, but. It is quite male dominated. Like at every gig we go to, it seems like most of the 
sound guys and the lighting guys are guys, as I just said. So <laughs> yeah, that's what it covers um, it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I love, I love the way things are going, and I hope they continue to, you know, become more equal as it should be. I mean, why wouldn't, why, why wouldn't it be? It just sounds great. It just seems crazy well I'm, I'm, I'm glad i'm glad you haven't faced anything um particularly difficult with that and i don't i don't want to put you on on the spot here but we're you know we're, we're coming to the end of a, a great conversation i'm sure the listener would agree for anyone that is finding it difficult at any points with like anxiety or or had a bad experience with with somebody or a friend or things like that what sort of creative techniques would you advise them to do to, to help channel that angst to help channel that depression or difficulty that they may be going through I mean like I mentioned earlier my outlet has always been songwriting I don't particularly like opening up to people sorry about that oh no 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 it's fine I actually prefer opening up to people I don't know and yeah I guess the best way is to talk like a problem shared is a problem halved so that would have to be my advice Katie I really appreciate your time and thank you so much for joining me on Meet the Stars podcast. Good luck, and I'm sure you're going to absolutely smash it. Thank you so much for having me. Katie Kittermaster, how great was that? I loved having her on. She was great to speak to, and her output is fantastic. She's so good on social media, so good at writing music and being active all over the place. So go and check her stuff out. Well, thank you so much for listening to Series 1. It's been an amazing journey, this series, and I'm so excited for Series 2. We've got an amazing bill lined up for next, next series, so stay tuned. It's going to be brilliant. But for now, don't forget all of the incredible live online streaming events that we've got going on. You're going to love those too. I do Comedy with the Stars the last Thursday of every month. That's me. I present that. I bring you an incredible bill of awesome comedians to your door, and we have a mental health chat. We have a chat about mental health who would have thought you can mix comedy and mental health it's amazing really is amazing so go and check that out but if you are here just for the podcast that's fine don't worry just take care stay safe and i'll speak to you next month